Welcome to Fit to Be Radio, where we bring you all things fitness, core, and diastases recti related. While we're having this little chat, we hope you'll shuffle into your shoes, grab your water, and take us along for a walk while we talk. Or maybe you're listening as you make dinner or drive or do dishes. Hey, you can always work out with us later on fittobe.com, where we have over 200 gorgeous, family-friendly, tummy-safe exercise videos ready for you to stream. Now let's get this show on the road. You guys ready? Yes. Yep. All right. Born ready. Born ready. I love that. I, I love your first one, though, when you're like, I wish I could just say all those things. I know. <laughs> that is so bad. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Fit to Be Radio. My name is Chris Banky. I'll be your host today. I've got Beth Learn. She's the CEO and founder of Fit to Be Studio. Hey, Beth. How's it going? It's going awesome. Good. This is a thing. We also have another guest. We have a guest that's been on our podcast before. I'm super excited to talk to you again, Kim Goffney. Um, you had one of our, you had, I think, episode number 10 um, mm-hmm. in our podcast. So this is your second time. So thank you for that. But episode number 10, I think, was awesome. But I think it was one of our top uh, viewed episodes or listened to episodes just because the title was the one with the vagina coach. So you just got to listen to that, right? I mean, awesome. So if you guys have not heard that episode, if you're listening to this, haven't heard that episode, go listen to that episode. Uh, We'll put the the link to that in the show notes. But um, Mm -hmm. so for those of you that haven't heard Kim before, Kim, where, where are you at in the world today? I am in Port Moody, BC, which is basically Vancouver. So it's a little suburb just outside of Vancouver. And it's a very awesome. sunny, beautiful, but very, very cold day here for Vancouver. It doesn't often yeah. be here, but it's chilly. Chilly, chilly. It's winter time. It's cold here too. Um, so how long have you been there in that area? Uh, I first moved here. I moved to Vancouver in 1995 and then um, okay. moved away for a few years. Uh, we left in 2007 for my husband's work. We moved to Toronto, and then we moved back mm-hmm. in 2011. And I've been in Port Moody uh, for about, aside for those four years that we left, for about 14 years. So if you've been there, you came back, and you left, and you came back. So you love it there. I love it. It's wait, I moved around a whole heck of a lot when I was growing up, and Vancouver okay. was always sort of our home base. It's where my relatives always were, so we would always come here and. I remember always, it was like a magic fairy tale land. It was always green. It was always lush. And, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, it just was magical to me. And we lived in some pretty cold places. We lived up north in Yellowknife, if you know where the Eskimos live. Mm -hmm. And we lived in Winnipeg and we lived in these very, very cold places. But the final place that I lived in high school was Indonesia, which was the opposite end of the spectrum, super, super hot. Wow. And our whole family became very, very soft after that. We were like, that's it. We're kind of done with snow. And um, my brother, <laughs> my brother stuck it out for a little bit, a little bit longer. And he, he was in Halifax for a little while, but my parents yeah. are out here. I'm out here. My brother's now in California. So we all sort of said, you know what, we're kind of done with the cold weather and the snow. And we like yeah. more temperate times now. <laughs> I I agree with you. I mean, snow is fun to, but not like thirty below zero is not that fun. No, that's not fun. It's not natural, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> not that's awesome. Well, we we actually have done um, several of our annual fit to be retreats 
up near you. So I think maybe the next time we do one, we should go visit. What do you think, Beth? Yeah. Port Moody. Nice. Yeah. We should, we should like get our heads together and have a little, a little seminar of some sort. It'd be fun. Yes. You totally. Oh yeah. Cool. Okay. Awesome. So if you're listening to no, this, stay tuned for future seminars that are going to be amazing. <laughs> we will to um, so yeah. So, uh, so Kim, the, the vagina coach, can you give us a little background on that? Cause it's just so such a compelling title that you've got, we've just got to talk about it. Yes. Um, well, I didn't always think, I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be a vagina coach. It just sort of happened uh, organically. But I, I was afraid of tearing in childbirth. And I spoke to my midwives about it. And they had recommended perineal massage and also a product called the Epino. And I mm-hmm. used that product. And I had a great experience. And I knew, uh, I, I wanted more people to know about it. I, I, I don't credit it 100% by any means, but I, I feel like it played a role in me having the birth mm-hmm. that I wanted and the yeah. outcome that I wanted. And so I started yeah. selling that product and so awesome. long story short, it kind of evolved into a lot more than I ever thought. Um, I focused really on pre postnatal at the beginning, but then more people were coming to me saying, well, what about if I have incontinence now I've had my kids 10 years ago, five years ago. And so it sort of broadened mm-hmm. the scope of what I was doing to cover pregnancy, motherhood, menopause. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years, I think it was about three years ago, I was asked to speak to, the there's a conference uh there's an organization in canada called mompreneurs and they have a national conference in toronto every year and they asked me to come and speak based on a blog post that i had written called kegels and keyboards and so i presented and i came up on stage and at this point we had already had there had been many speakers you know marketing coaches and business coaches and strategists and all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and and i came up and i said so we've, we've been talking about marketing coaches and we're talking about this coach and now you have a vagina coach for your business. And it kind of just came out <laughs> and it, I always like to have a bit of an icebreaker. And so, but after I said it, I, I just said, that's it. That kind of summarizes what it. I'm talking about and it covered all ages, no matter what life stage. And so that's sort of how it all started with my own pregnancies and has organically expanded from there. That's so awesome. When it sticks, it sticks, and you got to go with it. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. been. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. Well, thank you for taking time to chat on the podcast today. We want to talk about something that I am kind of pumped to learn about. I don't know anything about it called hypopressive. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is that? before we started the show i was like chris do you know anything about this and he's all no 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 idea Uh, it sounds really uh, like complicated and neat so yeah yeah so his questions are going to be genuine yeah it's a bit it's a bit of a big I don't know if that's a big word, I guess. It's, a, it's an odd word. Not many people have heard about it before. And when you see the technique, it also looks a little strange. And so how, I, again, I, I don't remember. This is probably yeah, eight, nine years ago. I don't remember exactly. But I stumbled across a woman named Kaiza. Uh, she had a website called Postnatal Body Fix, I think it was at the time. I don't remember how. It was a Google search. I randomly, and she was showing this technique and um and it was called hypopressives and i was starting to watch her videos and i had reached out to her and i said i would love to learn more about this i think this is a really powerful technique can you come to canada and and teach us 
So it became a, a kind of a long, she was in the midst of also growing her family. So it was like, well, I can't come now because I'm pregnant and I can't come now. So it was, it, long story short, it, it never came together, but we kept in touch over the couple of years. And then a good friend of mine, Trista Zinn, she, uh, she and I have known each other for, I think, 30 years or something now. And um, I had asked her to come to this one course that we taught, which was about pelvic floor. And after she took that course, she mm -hmm. kind of became passionate about pelvic health and getting it into fitness. And she then was inspired to go to pelvic floor physio herself. And she went and then she found out she had a bladder prolapse and she, um, she kind of panicked like many people do. And she had just learned about pelvic floor health and, and fitness and prolapse and all these things, and then recognized that she had it. And it was a big shock to her. And um, anyway, then I said, well, check this out. This is a, a woman I, I've never met her. We've just been corresponding. Check out this technique. There's a few videos you can watch. So Trista, very diligently, Trista, I, like I always joke that I think she takes fitness more seriously than her kids sometimes. Like it's her, she is so passionate about fitness and she is so dedicated and she said, I'm going to learn this. And so she watched every video she could find pretty much at the time wow. all were in Spanish. <laughs> And, uh, wow. and she taught herself this technique. Uh, and then she flew to Spain to work with Kaiza in person. And she became certified in the first level and came back and saw the pelvic floor physio and she had reduced her prolapse by one stage. So she was at a stage two initially. And she then flew back to Spain and took the level two and came back and kept working diligently herself. And then she had no more prolapse. And that no. was that was sort of the turning point for her. And she then went back over. She's now like a master trainer. She's been teaching in Canada. So she runs hypopressivescanada.com. Okay. And um, so she brought Kaiza over for the first course in Canada. And I can't remember exactly. I think it was seven or so years ago, maybe eight years ago. Um, so we all learned from Kaiza and Trista together. And there was a group of us. I think there was maybe... 12 or 15 of us, I don't remember exactly. And I have to say that we all went in with this level of skepticism. We had only seen videos. We were all kind of trying to play around with it in our body. It looked like it was counterintuitive to all the things that we talk about with regards to pelvic floor health, like no holding your breath, mm -hmm. and no sucking in your abdomen. That's what it looked like was happening. So right. um, anyway, that was kind of, that was a long introduction, but that's essentially how I, I found by accident, I introduced Trista, she kind of took it over from there. And now she has been educating across Canada for at least five years, I think now, and, um, mm -hmm. and it's sort of taking over the pelvic health world a little bit. Hmm. So um, funny connection, I actually went to college with Kaiza and uh, had several classes with her at Oregon State University. Um, so she is amazing and, um, sadly couldn't, couldn't get her on the show right, right now. Um, but hoping to have her on the show in the future. Um, and then, but can you give us, uh, just kind of a, like a one or two sentence definition of what hypopressives are? Yeah. So the term hypopressive means low pressure. And recently it's actually starting to become rebranded as low pressure fitness. So the mm -hmm. initial creator was actually a physiotherapist in um, Belgium, I think. And he actually was, how it developed is when he was inserting a speculum into the vagina of one of his clients, it was cold mm -hmm. and she was a little bit startled and she sort of did a, 
um, a bit of a, a drawing up and it hurt. He saw like a prolapse <laughs> kind of retreat almost. So it oh. inspired him to kind of look further. So that's kind of how it started. And, um, and then there was a bit of a, um, a break off from kind of the in initial group to a new group. And that's now the low pressure fitness people. So mm -hmm. essentially what it is, it's a series of postures that would be considered low pressure postures, meaning there's, there's not a lot of downward pressure or intra-abdominal pressure being created in those poses. So a lot of things that we do okay. are hyperpressive, meaning it creates more intra-abdominal mm -hmm. So this series of poses right. selected because they are low pressure. Then a uh, kind of a rhythmic breathing pattern is added where you take a certain number of inhale, exhale cycles. And then at the end of this, the third exhalation, you exhale all of your air completely. And then you close off your glottis. So some people, when they're first learning, they actually close their mouth and then have to plug their nose themselves. But it's kind of like mm -hmm. going in water when you swim. You just, in order to not get water in your body, you just close your glottis. So you close your glottis after that exhalation, and then you try to take a breath in. They call it a false inspiration. And so okay. the, the reaction it's an involuntary response. And what essentially happens when you try to take that breath in is it creates a kind of like a vacuum or a suction effect where you see this drawing inwards and upwards of the abdomen and your ribs flare. And mm -hmm. in certain poses, you can quite deeply feel the drawing up. Like you feel that sort of lift and oh, yeah. uh, removal of pressure in the pelvis as well. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So you said something that I think is intriguing, which is the false inspiration. So we're not talking about like, I feel so inspired about this today. We're talking about your breathing. <laughs> yes, yes. So like, it's like you take, you take a fake breath. Now, in terms of myself and my own play with hypopressives, and I am attending level one certification in a few months, uh, so that I can sound a lot more coherent when talking about this subject within the next year, hopefully. Um, I myself am at the stage where I'm still plugging my nose to make this happen. Interestingly yeah. enough, I also still have to plug my nose when I jump in the pool. I have never <laughs> been able to close my glottis or whatever needs to happen, uh, blow the bubbles out of my nose correctly uh, without, I just get water up my system every single time. So I am still a nose plugger. Um, I know ideally you want to get to the place where you don't have to plug your nose, both with hypopressants and jumping into water. Uh, you know what? <laughs> but it's that's not, where I'm at. Some people actually wear a little nose clip when they're training. So there are some people that do feel that they need to. So in order to allow freedom of movement in their hands, they just wear a nose clip. Ah, yeah. Yeah, because there's hand motions. I've seen, I've seen you and I've seen a few others. Um, there's like an upward hand. There's a downward hand. There's all kinds of little motions you make with your hands and it's, it doesn't look intense. And if you're just staring at somebody, it's going to look like they're trying to pose for a really weird picture while sucking in their gut. Totally. That's exactly but that's not what's happening. <laughs> yep. That's exactly a great, a great description. of what Okay. Like. So I know you explained it, but I don't quite understand what you're saying. I think she needs to demonstrate. I can demonstrate. Yeah, like, let's do, demonstrate. Let's yes. just, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a link in the show notes. You might want to just pop over so you can see the video and forward to the to this. Yeah, we're gonna show some belly here. Video. And I will say, and, and then, I, 
I can't. I don't fully understand what you mean. Yeah, so I can't talk while I'm doing this, obviously, because I'm going to go through. Okay. I will be holding my breath, but I'm going to point out with my hands. I'm going to be. I'm going to kind of tap my belly to show you that my abs are relaxed and that it's not. I'm okay. not using my abdomen to make that happen. Okay. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll talk through as much as I can, but then it's just going to have to be. You're just going to have to watch and and see, and then watch. I'll okay, then you can okay. explain. Then you can explain. And okay. I can. I'll make a few observations if that's okay. Maybe yep. to help people see what they're seeing. So I'm going to. So this belly has had a couple of babies. Yep. Yes, I've had a couple of babies. So yep. I'm going to. I'm going to start here, and then I'm also going to turn sideways so you can kind of get that view as well. Okay. Okay. So usually, actually, let me start sideways. In all of the poses, there's always a bit of a forward lean. So if you've ever mm. um, done the piston course from Julie Weave, and she talks about the ski jump, that you're kind of going. Yep. The ski jump so you and you can feel your pelvic floor a little bit better that way mm -hmm. yeah some people can yep for sure and then um, my abs right now are are soft relaxed I'm not engaged and after mm -hmm. I'm gonna just do one breath but essentially I'm gonna take a breath in and then I'm going to exhale all of my air and then I don't need to plug my nose anymore, but essentially some people might have to, so you can kind of see my hand go up. I'll, I'll show you a little bit about what that might look like. Um, and then after I've exhaled my air, it's almost like I'm going to try to take a breath in. And when mm -hmm. I try to take that breath in, because my glottis is closed, there's nowhere for the air to go, but I'm still going to get movement in my diaphragm and an expansion in my ribs that's going to create that involuntary response of kind of that drawing up and in that you're going to see in a minute. Mm -hmm. okay? So, yeah. And when we say glottis, we're talking about closing the airway in your, in the back of your throat, right? It's yeah. essentially just. Yeah. So close your feeling. mouth. Mm -hmm. And then you, and then you can plug your nose if you need to. And you'll also notice if you watch here, it, it's all, it feels like, it almost feels like somebody's coming and pushing a little bit on my, on my throat when, when that pressure is happening. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that. And this is one of the most common arm poses. So I'll start here. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take a breath in. You should get a nice lateral expansion in your rib cage and I'm going to exhale all of my air. Now I you can't see talk. your transverse activating. Mm -hmm. And there's the vacuum effect. So she's doing a false inspiration while essentially holding her breath. And it lifts all the pressure up off of her pelvic floor and then she relaxes. So then you take, and usually, and you can, like, I'm out of breath from that one little thing. Like, it's, uh -huh. it looks like it's nothing, but it's quite an intense, when you layer on all the different poses that you do whenever, it's, it can be quite an intense activity. Um, so yeah. um, I can do another one to show you. Is there anything else that you wanted to see? Should I show you my neck a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious to, to see how your neck responds as well, just because you mentioned that and because I'm a neck patient myself no. yes okay so i'm just gonna do i won't show you my belly here so i'm just gonna do one yeah see the concaveness between her scm muscles the sternocleidomastoid muscles you can see that hollowing out mm -hmm. beautiful so, yep. so you basically are like sealing it. You're not allowing you yourself to breathe in, but then you're mm -hmm. you're simulating you breathing in. 
Yeah. So usually mm -hmm. when you breathe in, there's air is drawn in and, and we have movement in our diaphragm, right. obviously. But <clears throat> when we take a breath in, when there's no air actually coming in, it feels that off. And then when I try to take a breath, it basically expands my ribs and the diaphragm lifts and it draws everything else up. Oh. With mm -hmm. Yeah. So interesting. It's seems like a hypopressive to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is indeed what we're doing today. Uh, okay. Um, just for kicks, would you mind cueing me through one? Yeah, totally. So okay. when, I, right. when I'm teaching somebody, if I'm, whether I'm in person or in the video, I'm actually going to get you to lie down on your back if you can. <clears throat> oh, okay. Let's see if I can so get that right angle. When you're going, so that was me, I was standing and I was upright against gravity, obviously. And sometimes when you take gravity out, it can be easier to learn. So you're lying on your back. All right, here we go. And we're okay, not going to worry about belly. arm positions or anything right now. Rest one hand on your belly. Okay. Okay, and then have the other hand free because you said you need to plug your nose, yeah? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So just have uh -huh. it there ready. Yes, I <laughs> Have it there ready to plug when you're ready. Okay, so you're gonna take a breath in and you wanna take a nice big deep breath and then when you exhale, I want you to kind of think like you're fogging up sunglasses. So it's not, a, it's not very forceful, you're just gonna go. And you're gonna breathe out okay. until all of the air is gone and then I'm gonna say close your mouth, plug your nose and then I'll cue you to try to take a breath, okay? Okay, okay. so take a nice big breath in. Okay, and slowly exhale. Okay, close your mouth, plug your nose. Now try, imagine taking a breath in. Yes, perfection. So you felt immediately that your abdomen, you didn't make your abdomen dry in. You don't need to answer me right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's do that again. Okay, okay. one more time. So, wow, that is strenuous. I mean, I it's been a couple months since I even tried to do one, and they just feel weird. Did you did you pull your belly in? No, no. So it's no, like, I didn't try to pull my belly in. Exactly. There's no there's no voluntary activation. So this is an involuntary response, and you right. it was perfect. It was exactly so. You don't have to have your hand there if you don't want to, but I usually have that so that people okay. can feel what's happening. You can see my thrusty ribs. Okay, so okay, so okay. deep breath. Big breath in. Slow exhale, 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 exhale. Close your mouth, plug your nose, and try. Imagine taking a breath in. Yep, perfect. And you basically hold it until you feel like, okay, I gotta take a breath. I need some air in here. And then you just break the seal. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like you instantly wanna gasp for air. Yeah, and that's wow. that's super common. So usually Woo. when when somebody like the most common sound you hear after is that it's kind of like yeah, a, like the, this feel, this what feel. is it? I feel like um like a Princess Bride where he takes the yes, takes that first totally. breath. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So wow, you know it's, it do. feels like such a deep <clears throat> flex, such a deep flex. Yeah. Um. And, and I, I had just, I just ate breakfast, so suddenly yeah, so breakfast doesn't feel very good. You need to know about when you do it. So <laughs> um, <laughs> it's ideal to wow. do. Wow. Sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. It's ideal 
to do, uh, I say in the morning after you've had a bowel movement mm -hmm. and before you've eaten. So okay. you don't want to be doing this exercise within a couple of hours of eating. So, um, and the reason I say the morning. Is that because it, is that because it like, it's just uncomfortable or. Oh yeah. yeah. I could feel like, I could literally feel where my breakfast was. I'm pretty sure. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you don't want to have anything in there that's, that, you know, you're, you're, you're working on digesting and you don't want to be interfering with that. And, and it, it can be quite Got it. uncomfortable because everything is pulling up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and if you do have trouble with, with being regular in the mornings, then you want to hit up our episode we did with Michelle Lyons, the one about constipation, fabulous episode. And hypopressives can actually help with, it helps get things moving as well. So it can, it can actually start, if you are having challenges with constipation, it can, it moves things around. So it can nice. help. Oh, yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. Is there, um, so, so one question I immediately, that immediately comes to, comes to me is, uh, is this, is this dangerous to not do this right? Like, can you screw yourself up doing this? Uh, well, the, the, so the population, anybody who has high blood pressure, this would not be suitable for them. They can go into the posture, okay. ah. but they wouldn't go in, mm -hmm. they wouldn't add the, um, they, and they can do the breathing without the apnea. So without that breath hold portion. Mm -hmm. and, the right. same and is that, is that because you're stopping the breathing? Is that why you wouldn't want to do it for high blood pressure? Yeah. So essentially it's, it's not, um, <coughs> it's not advised for people who have high blood pressure to be closing off the oxygen and okay. holding their breath for long periods of time. Um, right. okay. so, uh, and also the same is for pregnant women. So the pregnant women would mm -hmm. also, they can go into the postures, they can do the, the mm -hmm. inhale exhale cycles, but they wouldn't add the apnea on. Mm -hmm. Got it. And another thing I, I think would be good to clarify. And we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show is, um, explaining the difference between the applicable nature of basic core breathing um, and transverse abdominus activation as compared to the less applicable nature of hypopressives. Like these are a pure exercise for your core and pelvic floor and diaphragm and all that. Whereas you can take a transverse hold into picking up your kids. You may not do a hypopressive you would not do a hypopressive yeah, hold yeah, on kid wait exactly <laughs> yeah you don't this isn't something that you bring into your daily movement practices um you know like as you say you're not gonna you know inhale exhale all your air do an apnea and then pick up your grocery bag um you know we we say right. a lot of you know exhale on exertion voluntary pelvic floor contraction before mm -hmm. you lift or before you cough or what have you so hypopressives really is a technique that you use but it's not something that translates into your everyday life or activities of daily living. So um, right. when we talk about exhale on exertion or exhale just before exertion and, and contract your pelvic floor, exhale to engage, all of that kind of stuff, that's working on the voluntary aspect of our core. <clears throat> the hyperpressors mm -hmm. work on the involuntary aspect. So it's, there are two, two pieces of training essentially. And what I love about hypopressives, so the, when it was first kind of when, the, when um, Marcel Calfriez, the, the founder, he first saw a prolapse retreat. Right. And I would say it is, it's applicable to the incontinence world as well. 
but I would say it is one of the only things that gives people with prolapse hope. So up until mm. this came along, hypopressives was, uh, sorry, um, prolapse was something that could be maintained, but not necessarily something that could be drastically improved or reversed. Mm. And I'm talking about early stage right. prolapse, like one or two, stage one or two. So at that point, people, you could do pelvic floor exercise and it would help uh, maybe eliminate some of the symptoms, but it wouldn't necessarily change mm -hmm. the grading. And what we're finding with hypopressives is some people, if it's caught early enough, some people are reversing prolapse or reducing it by a stage. That's awesome. Um, wow. So it's something that gives people hope and that the chance of mm -hmm. potentially, I myself, I had a stage two um, uterine prolapse that I reversed mm -hmm. and um, Trista had her bladder. So those were caught early, um, wow. but, um, but it's hopeful, I think. And then, and it's super, super powerful. It's also because it's kind of meditative. I, I use it almost like my moving meditation. You get into your rhythmic breathing mm -hmm. and, you know, for 15 minutes in the morning, it's just quiet. All I think about is counting mm -hmm. my breaths and my rep, my, um, right. my so yeah. That sounds very wow. appealing to me right now. I've been craving so, getting back. I used to have a regular breathing practice and I've been missing it. Life has just been kind of nutty in the mornings lately. Um, yeah. I'm a hybrid yeah. homeschool mom. And so my kids have classes a couple days a week and then I homeschool a couple days a week and there's not really a good rhythm in the morning, but I'm finally able to get up earlier without waking them up. So I've been craving that morning breathing meditation time. So I think yeah, I have a hard time sitting still in meditation and this is mm -hmm. uh, i find movement certain movement is meditative for me so i get the benefits of meditation mm -hmm. when i do when i do that it's a dedicated quiet time yeah. reflecting and feeling with, my body with just enough movement that it keeps you interested yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah so, i hear you so it's um it's powerful i think that it's um it, it's transforming people's lives in many, many ways. And um, I, I, I incorporated with most of my, most of my clients. Hmm. I look forward to doing, being able to do so, that. Um, so with someone, so what would the tie-in be with uh, diastasis? And, and if someone has it, should they be doing this, not doing it? How does it, how would it hmm. fit into that? Yeah. So there's, um, <clears throat> some people have have found that it has improved now diastasis is always i find a a, a bit of a complicated topic because the term diastasis oh, right yeah. separation and and technically yeah. everybody has never nobody has fused recti so everybody technically has <laughs> a diastasis so a little bit of a little bit of a gap yep yeah so everybody um all the research talks about the interrecti distance, not so much about tensioning. And so when people are talking about diastasis, we want to clarify, are you asking about interrecti distance or connective tissue tensioning? There are some mm -hmm. people that have had a change in their interrecti distance with hypopressives. I personally have not. Um, and and I, some people have changes in the tension. So my tension was already fine before I started doing hypopressive. So I'm, maybe it's improved. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't, I was a functional diastasis from the beginning. So 
there's been no change to my indirect eye distance and tension has always been fine for me. So I can't assess on my own body. Um, I haven't had any clients that have had any drastic changes with their indirect eye distance or tensioning just by doing hypopressive. Because I do it as a comp, like a, I use lots of different techniques. So I can't say, I haven't had anybody that I've only exclusively had do hypopressive. So I can't say whether their tension improved from hypopressives or from the other stuff that we were doing. Um, mm-hmm. There's, in my opinion, there's no reason why somebody who has, uh, you know, a larger than normal, quote unquote, normal interrecti distance or somebody who lacks, mm-hmm. to me, this would be something that would, um, that would be very suitable for pretty much anybody. So whether you have a functional or okay. non-diastasis, I say go for it. Okay. I really I like, like what um, Pelvic Guru said um, just actually today on her Instagram. She has a post about diastases and bloating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she used a phrase, uh, and I'm, I, I'm trying to find it now, but it was like it was a, it was a recipe where um, we have to, it's a combination. People just try to fix things or fix other things. Um, it's finding the right treatment recipe to tackle this from all angles. So like you said, it's hard to know because as practitioners and providers, we already recognize that you, it's never just one thing. It's never just hypopressive. It's never just nutrition. It's never just resolving constipation that plays right. into somebody's own personal recipe for sorting out their core when there's dysfunction present. And that yeah. dysfunction might be manifesting as any one of those things or all of them, or more, or less. So everybody is a little bit different, and all of us are trying to provide lots of resources because we recognize that everyone's journey is unique. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, mm-hmm. too, because um, the nutrition is, is really starting to play a huge role in, um, you know, the gut health and the... Yeah. the or nutrition that pretty much everybody has, even if you're eating right because of, you know, that's playing a huge piece. And in all the fitness conferences that that we've recently been at, it's been, that's kind of the theme every year. There's always some sort of a theme that happens and the nutrition piece is huge. And when we talk about diastasis now, because for so long people kept saying diastasis um, was associated with a poochy tummy, it can be Mm -hmm. absolutely associated with a poochy tummy. It can, but I've got a diastasis and I don't have a poochy tummy. And um, so people right. then immediately say if they have a poochy tummy, then they must have diastasis and they might, but sometimes it is the gut. Sometimes it is the bloating or the constipation. And then when you have bloating and constipation, mm-hmm. it can inhibit transversus. So then the core is not working as it should. So you kind of, you know, you have to address. There's a vicious circle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we should uh-huh. more. Yeah first um but yeah so it's mm-hmm. an interesting time and, and i'm i'm super fascinated by jessica drummond's work and, um, and yeah i was just going to mention she just put out a book on um healing pelvic pain with nutrition mm-hmm. uh i don't i can't remember the exact title off the top of my head we've also interviewed her we talked about perimenopause with her um and i'm hoping to get her on again to mm-hmm. talk about her book because i see it as pretty vital um it's and amazing to me how skeptical people can can be of how food can play a role in fascia. And I just posted an, an article on Fit to Be too yesterday about um, this whole new set of research that came out. And I, I, again, I need to look it up. I should have this stuff in front of me, but our podcast always takes such a winding journey. Um, yeah. Let me see if I can pull it up 
the other point that I want to never know where we're going on these babies. <laughs> um, <laughs> with regards to pain, so I remember when we took our course, the, the yeah. first group of us in Canada when we took the course, there was uh, several physios in there, and again, we all sort of went in with this level of skepticism. And one of the physios there works a lot with pain, and mm -hmm. she said, um, "I I don't I can't see how this is going to help my pain people. I think it's." You know, we always say people who have pain sometimes have the hypertonicity, and then when you add on more contraction work, it's going to make it worse. And so she experimented with some of her willing patients, and what she found was mm -hmm. it was helping her pelvic pain patients. And so what the hypopressive? What we find with hypopressive is, is it it works to normalize tone. So the people who have mm. lack of tone, it helps bring them up to a, a better baseline, and then the people who have too much tone, it wow. helps. Um, it helps let that go. And um, oh, that's fascinating. I, one of my business partners, Samantha, she's uh, and she would say this herself. She's very hypertonic. And um, our mm -hmm. other partner, Julia, who is a pelvic floor physiotherapist, uh, was treating her one time, and she Sam was having a hard time letting go, and and she kept saying, "I am relaxing, I am relaxing," and and uh, <laughs> and Julia had her do a hypopressive like one cycle of it and her floor immediately let go, which was super, super cool. And mm. so, so I just thought of that when you said pain, it, it's, um, it's something that some people with pain are also finding um, relief as well. Uh-huh. I found that article and, and I want to speak to what you just said. It's um, fascia as related to autoimmunity on drshealing.com. Um, S-C-H-I-E-R-L-I-N-G doctor spelled out shearling spelled out.com um and it's a whole fascinating article about um you know how our fascia responds to the food we eat okay. and your interrecti distance that linea alba that is your fascia um and your pelvic floor is a lot of fascia and a lot of muscle but a lot of fascia a lot of connective tissue and when there's inflammation because your, your food choices may be causing that inflammation. We know sugar causes inflammation. That's been proven. Um, and if you're sensitive to that, not everybody's sensitive to that. I can eat all the things and have no problems. My husband and my daughter, not so much. They, my husband gets horrible joint pain when he gets too much sugar. It's instantaneous. Um, he cannot just sit down and have a soda. I can drink all the Mountain Dew all day long and not have any problems. Him, he has one drink and he'll be just aching for days. Huh. Um, so genetics plays a role. Everything plays a role. It's, it's something to think about. That's for sure. That's oh. for sure. Like if you're having unresolved pain issues and you're having trouble with your fascia, you have autoimmune. Um, and I know we don't like to give up our favorite things. That can be hard, but gosh, <laughs> to be, to, to have less pain, to be able to function better. Totally. That'd be amazing. Well, and what you said too, I want, I, and I think we could wrap up with this, but what you said in terms of being able to let go, a lot of women, um, when they think about letting go of their core and pelvic floor, I know if somebody said that to me 10 years ago, I'd been like, oh no, oh, no, no, no. If I do that, bad things happen. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, we're talking about like when there's too much tension and you've got a constantly gripping muscle, okay, right? I'm making a fist. If you make a fist and you hold that fist, how long can you hold it before that muscle cramps and gets uncomfortable? It's not very long. I mean, I'm holding mine right now and I'm already uncomfortable just making this grippy fist. Right. Yeah. But if you can get that fist to unfurl and relax, 
And now it can actually do things. It can open and it can close. It can spread and it can shut. It can do all of the functions. It can't do any of that when it's gripping and hanging on. And so right. we need to be able to let go so we can reflex, so we can let go, so we can reflex and have a full range of motion. Totally. Exactly. And we use, um, when we teach our course, we use that wrist a lot. So when you have your gripped, clenched wrist and then try to do some wrist circles yeah. and then open up your hand you and circles and you feel how much freer it is when your hand is open. So when you have oh, your that's good. that's totally grippy and your core that's you're sucking in your abdomen and you're holding onto your pelvic floor so, so tight, it's restricting mm -hmm. your overall fluidity of movement as well. So um, right. or the pelvic floor needs to have some give. So it needs to respond mm -hmm. with some softness and some give, uh, almost like um, my partner Julie always describes it as kind of like a volleyball setter. So if you had really flat, hard hands and the ball came and you were a setter and it would it hit your hands in a rigid form, it's it's not going right. to go very far. But if you if you kind of respond to that with those <clears throat> hands and and then you have the capacity to flex, like to push the ball back right. out. Mm -hmm. That's what the pelvic floor has yeah. to do as well. And if we're walking around with that rigidity, um, and women especially. Not when not they're too soft, or then, then it's going to hit you in the face when you're setting that ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Heavyweight ball. Hit you in the face. Totally. So women, especially women who maybe have bloating or who have a you know, diastasis and, and lack of tension in their abdominal wall, they want to change the appearance of that by holding in. And that holding in uh, also yeah. interferes digestion and contributes to more of the discomfort. And, but it, it interferes with breathing. Mm -hmm. It interferes with everything. And we then... And it interferes with intimacy. Yes. So we develop these mm -hmm. rigid strategies then that, um, or compensations, I guess, that interfere with our overall movement. Um, so when... Mm -hmm. And that was the cool thing with when, when Sam was doing it, when you can uh, find something that allows you, when you can't voluntarily let go, if you can find something else that helps kind of give that muscle a cue to release or to relax, um, that can be helpful. And, and when teaching hypopressives, that's a hard one too, because you really have to let the abdomen be soft in order to, to oh. allow that to happen. It's not something that you're doing. It's not a doing exercise per se. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as, as we, as you and I both demonstrated with our little bellies is that, um, the inward flexion and the relaxation at the end, when you gasp for air, that's all involuntary. It's, yeah. and so therefore it can override residual tension. You yeah. know, when, when I teach, um, relaxation in my classes, you know, we mentally purposely go through the body and and relax. And if we can't, I will often tell people, Hey, give that muscle a little flex and then relax it. Mm -hmm. Um, so they can connect with that feeling that they are, Oh, I'm already flexing or I flex a little bit more and then fully release. And this is a less mental, like you're purposely doing the exercise, but how your body is responding to this exercise yes, exactly. is all on its own. And it dials yeah. back into that natural physiological response and that physiological response to breathing it's just so neat such Your a, wheels are a really interesting tool yeah i can't wait to go through this certification course yeah you'll love it it's cool. awesome i love right. it i'm always well, learning I'm, new stuff i had no idea this even existed yeah we're gonna get done and chris gonna lay on the floor he's gonna be down on the floor gasping and carrying on <laughs> I, probably that's probably true 
on an empty stomach. Yeah. I love it. Telling Alice, his wife, hey, honey, come check this out. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to be like, what is wrong with you? That's okay, though. That's a, a, a common thing in our house. What is wrong with you? Uh, so, Kim, thank you for thank you for going through this and talking about this with us today. It's, yes. it's been super cool to learn about this. Um, it, which tie, which makes me think of this the question that we always ask at the end of these podcasts, which is, what is your favorite exercise right now? Is this it? We ask oh, everyone wow. what their favorite exercise is right now. Um. Yeah, you know what? It's been my favorite for a long time because it um Okay. It's it's the one thing that I do consistently. I I will say like <clears throat> the very okay. very very bare minimum is 4 times a week, but I do this pretty much every single day. Um so walking mm-hmm. I do every day and hyperpressive. Those so those two things are always staples. I always love them. I always do them religiously, so I would say that would make them a favorite. Yep. I love it. Good stuff. Walking in hyperpressive. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to learn more about it. So, uh, Kim, real quick, where can people find you? And then we'll also put this info in the show notes as well. Uh, Vaginacoach.com is my website. And um, so if you want to learn more, there's lowpressurefitness.com in the United States and hyperpressive Canada in Canada. So you can learn more at those websites. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Kim. Look forward to talking to you again. And in the meantime, I think I'm going to lay on the floor and try some hypopressive action. (laughs) See how that works. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Talk to you later. Well, thanks for listening to all that. If you liked it, you should subscribe so that good Lord willing and the creek don't rise, you receive all our new episodes we do our best to put out each week. And of course, please follow us on Twitter at fit to be on Instagram at fit to be studio and on Facebook via fit to be tummy safe fitness. Want to work out with me, Beth? You can do that over at fit to be.com. See you there.